You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily NFL fantasy podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Vinny Iyer, and when I'm not doing this, I'm writing about NFL and fantasy football for SportingNews.com. Come to the site now. Check out all the stuff we have leading you into the NFL schedule release here on Wednesday evening. So we'll have some fallout of that. We'll look at uh, the schedule advantages and disadvantages there in our uh, final couple shows of the week. Uh, We're going to continue our series looking at the Rising and falling stock players based on the NFL offseason developments. We did the AFC risers, the NFC risers, so we got to do the same thing with the fallers here for our first two shows of the week. So what we're doing, if you're uh, catching up or if you haven't checked it out, we're looking at one player, identifying one player on every team on all the NFL teams. We're taking all the AFC 16 teams today, NFC tomorrow, and kind of breaking down why these guys have falling stock based on maybe things breaking down around them, different guys competing for their jobs, a lesser role, age, injury, something like that that is affecting their fantasy football outlook here for 2021. So we'll do that with all the AFC teams today. We'll go around, uh, we'll start the AFC East to AFC West, go in alphabetical order by division, do that there. So with the NFC, we'll follow suit. NFC East, NFC West. So today we'll start with the Bills and end with the Chargers. And uh, tomorrow we'll start with the Cowboys and end with the Seahawks. So a lot of good stuff to talk about. So let's dive in here. But I do have to tell you today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. All right. So the Buffalo Bills, uh, we talked about uh, Zach Moss benefiting there from them not investing in Running back all that much. Cole Beasley at wide receiver, not so lucky. They added Emmanuel Sanders, who's a bit of a versatile player in relation to John Brown, who left, and he essentially replaced Brown. Gabriel Davis should have a bigger role. They drafted Marquez Stevenson. They got Isaiah McKenzie. The back should be involved more in the past game. Josh Allen is more confident in throw down field. Now they have Stephon Diggs and Davis maybe having a bigger role with Sanders. So it's not looking good for Cole Beasley. He was a nice security blanket working the slot productive moments in fantasy football as a wide receiver three, but this situation is not working in his favor at all. So it was fun while it lasts for Beasley. He's a little older. They got some more dynamic weapons, some versatile weapons. I think they'll go in that direction with Josh Allen. So whatever was there, I think uh, you look at the Bills, uh, again, Beasley being lesser part of their offense here in 2021. Let's go to the Miami Dolphins. The biggest uh, change there has got to be all their other receivers. Remember those guys were trying to extract value from Preston Williams and Albert Wilson and Jakeem Brandt. You have Lynn Bowden in there. Now you have Robert Foster, a former Bill, also played at Alabama there. A lot of guys there, but this uh, passing game is pretty much going to be streamlined when it goes downfield away from the backs to now Will Fuller, if he's healthy and good to go, not suspended. Also, uh, having Jalen Waddle in the mix with Devontae Parker and Mike Gusecki at tight end. 
He even drafted a tight end for a little bit of help there. So, again, the Dolphins going away from these peripheral receivers. It's finally good to see. You want three solid guys here. And I think they do have those. I think Williams has a chance, but he's a guy that's not been able to stay healthy. He had a nice rookie year, but since then things haven't really clicked well for Preston Williams. That's why you saw the acquisition of Will Fuller taking a flyer on him as an outside speed guy to compliment Parker. Now you got Jalen Waddle who can line up like Tyreek Hill, work the slot. So not a good situation for all these other Dolphins receivers, but Preston Williams mainly is the name main guy that's hurt by all this. So, yeah, we're going away. If there's any value that he had going into 2021, and I guess they'll real shuffle the decks, get rid of some of these other guys that they've carried over for a while, it's just not looking good here for these Dolphins peripheral receivers after the big acquisitions there to help to attack Vola better stretch the field, and that's what Fuller and Waddle certainly are going to do there in this offense, playing off Parker and Gusecki. Let's go to the Patriots. Uh, this is a tie, so we'll... Bring up both these guys. I mean, Cam Newton's the obvious one, but how much value really did Cam Newton have for fantasy? If you were counting on him more than a fringe, borderline, QB1, QB2, you were not getting all that much. You were dependent on his running, and if his running didn't come through, you didn't really have a lot of production there for Cam Newton. So, yeah, that is natural when you draft Mac Jones in the first round, uh, 15 overall. But the guy that we're looking at here that's really hurt is Sonny Michelle because... Damian Harris should be a little bit healthier. James White re-signed back in the mix. So you have James White dedicated for third downs. Damian Harris is going to swing back. I know they did move on from Rex Burkhead here, but they did use a draft pick on Ramondre Stevenson. What does Ramondre Stevenson do? He's a power back. He does a lot of what Sonny Michel does, run really hard between the tackles and finish drives in the red zone with touchdowns. So, yeah, not a good situation for Sonny Michel. If there's any value that we were trying to extract from him, he wants... Might have been a valuable RB2, more leaning with his production in non-PPR formats, but now in standard or half-point PPR, you can't really look at Sonny Michel as much of an asset. So a little bit of a change up there in the way they're going to run and score touchdowns. So if Newton doesn't start, then that opens up more touchdown possibilities there for Stevenson. Of course, if Newton plays, then he's a power back in himself and he can hurt Michel. So either way, Sonny Michel not looking like in a good position to produce I mean he was a first round pick and he had some moments here for the Patriots but they're not caught up in where guys picked they're going to move on that's what you saw here with Sonny Michelle the last team we'll talk about here from the AFC East and uh, their guy that we're looking at for falling stock before we move on and uh, get to the other divisions take our first break is Jameson Crowder of the Jets now I mentioned Elijah Moore and he's a impact there but they also have vincent smith they also have jeff smith and don't forget about keelan cole who pretty much played the slot for the jaguars last year so they've got a bigger slot there in cole they've got a faster slot in more jameson crowder they can recoup all, i think double digits in salary cap money if they move on from him at some point still this offseason so do they keep crowder and no pun intended but there's a crowd there at that position with cole and more Cole thought he has a chance here because of the Jaguar situation. He's rather productive from that spot. But other than his experience, and Crowder has that, there's not a lot that you like with Keelan Cole there. And I guess he has some versatility lineup outside, but he also have their the newcomer Corey Davis as well as Denzel Mims for the outside. So Cole, again, dedicated as a kind of a big slot. I wouldn't call him the traditional big slot, but that's what he played for the Jaguars last year. So you have him there that's already acquired. You had Crowder in the mix. They were already on the fence about cutting him, and now you add Elijah Moore there. 
the speedy receiver from Ole Miss. So it's uh, definitely very intriguing to see how this Jets passing game has changed, especially with Zach Wilson in there, starting quarterback. So the pecking order could change. Crowder did have a good chemistry with Sam Darnold. So all things that uh, you look at with Crowder, dissect, just not a good uh, development for him here. And probably not seeing a much more relevancy in fantasy football as long as he's still on the New York roster. All right, so there's a look at the entire AFC East to the guy that stands out as the biggest stock faller in each of those teams. We'll still get to the rest here, the 12 teams remaining in the AFC. But hey, fantasy football fans, you got to listen up here. Nugenics, the number one selling fee to free testosterone booster at GNC is offering a complimentary bottle to all football fans in America. To get your complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea, text DRAFT to 231231. This unique man-boosting formula is powered by Testofen, which helps boost free testosterone and total testosterone levels and increase energy and lean muscle mass. If you're over 40, don't let age get in the way. Get your edge back with Nugenics. There's a reason Nugenics has been the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC for years. It works. Now, if you text now they'll include a bottle of nugenics thermo their most powerful fat incinerator ever with keen greens to help you get back in shape absolutely free text draft 231231 that's draft d-r-a-f-t all caps 231231 message and data rates may apply this episode of locked on fantasy football is also brought to you by bet online the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action bet online and we've got the more action on the Triple Crown front with the Preakness coming in this weekend. We have post-NFL draft prop bets you can check out. And don't forget, you got the excitement heating up there in the NBA and NHL as they get towards the playoffs. Get all the news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including all those major sports, as well as all your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Is this your chance to get in the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs with hoops and hockey? Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. All you have to do is enter the promo code LOCKEDON. That's LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, all caps, and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. But online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, let us turn our attention here to the AFC North teams. That means we have to start with B's, and that's the Baltimore Ravens. So Sammy Watkins thought this was a good landing spot. Moving on from the Chiefs, he signed a deal. Greg Roman, when he was with the Bills, had his best production. Watkins did, but now all of a sudden, what's ha- what's happening here? You use a first-round pick on Rashad Bateman. You use another later-round pick on Tylen Wallace. Miles Boykin is still around. James Prochet is still around. You have uh, Devin Duvernay still around. You've got a lot of weapons here. So not looking good here for uh, Sammy Watkins here with this crowd. So as we mentioned on the flip side of this, when we were looking at rising stock, Lamar Jackson boosted by having all these immediate upgrade and weapon options here in 2021. But Sammy Watkins thought he was in a good situation when he signed. There was not much there. The young receivers were still finding their way behind Marquise Hollywood-Brown. It was other than... Brown, the main guy was Mark Andrews at tight end. So Sammy Watkins thought he could resurrect it and be a big key target here. But all of a sudden a crowd for Watkins. So if you're trying to hope that Watkins could return some kind of backdoor wide receiver, wide receiver three or four value here, I just don't see it now with all these guys there. So 
Again, Rashad Bateman, using a first-round pick, says they want to get him on the field, and certainly Bateman could be starting next to Brown with Watkins in a more complimentary veteran role here as we start the season. The next team we look at here is the Cincinnati Bengals, and I think the guy really hurt by this offseason was Tyler Boyd. I mean, Tyler Boyd has been very valuable. He started out kind of finding his way in this offense. Then he broke out when he worked the slot, had a good relationship with Andy Dalton, had some good relationships with those kind of backup quarterbacks. We've seen Ryan Finley and those type Brandon Allens. But we haven't seen it totally manifest with Joe Burrow. It's been okay, but now you have T. Higgins. Joe Burrow came in with him. Higgins was a second-round pick from Clemson last year. Now he comes in with a first-round pick, Jamar Chase. He has great familiarity with Jamar Chase. They lit it up together at LSU just a couple years ago. Chase being a number three overall pick, the clear number one go-to guy here. So Boyd was very valuable when they needed him, playing off A.J. Green when Green wasn't available and hurt. And they needed someone to dominate the targets and catch all that. But now you have Higgins. Now you have uh, what Chase can do. Yeah, so Tyler Boyd, I just don't see him being as relevant in the slot here for fantasy football. It's been nice. He's had some good uh, half-point and full-point PPR value here. But again, when you have an extra mile to feed, especially when he's a clear alpha the way that Chase is, and Higgins had a nice year kind of as the possession number two on the outside, the guy that lines up in the slot is going to hurt a little bit here in the 11 personnel. They also have some options at tight end where that was a favorable position as well for Joe Burrow throwing to CJ Uzma. He's back healthy here in the middle of the field. So Tyler Boyd certainly looking like the guy that is hurt here by the situation for the Bengals. And again, Higgins... I look at more as a wide receiver three. Again, I really chase his potential as a wide receiver two this year. So let's uh, turn our attention to that other Ohio team, the Cleveland Browns. I don't think this was a great offseason here for Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, they had success without him in the lineup last year. Didn't miss a beat too much. They welcome his big playability, but here come some guys here. They brought back Rashard Higgins, Don Peoples-Jones they like a lot. They have Kaderil Hodge in the mix. You've got now... Anthony Schwartz in the mix, a speedster rookie that they drafted from Auburn. We know Jarvis Landry has always had the built-in better connection with Baker Mayfield. You're pretty con- still uh, loaded at tight end here between Austin Hooper, David Njoku, and Harrison Bryant. So a lot of weapons here. And the Browns were able to win without OBJ services. So I don't like the way it's going for him. Again, the chemistry has never really been there with Mayfield. And now you have all these other weapons emerging. It's not a high-volume passing team to begin with. It's more run-oriented, play-action type team. So when you factor in all that, it's uh, really hard to see Odell Beckham Jr. suddenly coming back and flashing his best days with the Giants or even in the short term with the Browns again here in the offense. So, yeah, sometimes it just gets different, and you don't expect a player not to produce the way he should and make him transition, but injuries have also been an issue. So stock just certainly does not help here for one OBJ. Now we go to the Steelers. We're going to go for the obvious here. Benny Snell, if you're looking for any fantasy value from him, if you're looking for Anthony McFarland, if you're looking for Kalen Balaj coming over from the Chargers to do anything, no, it's going to be the Najee Harris show. So forget if you had any sleeper expectations or hopes for the Steelers' backs led by Snell and McFarland. It's over now. I mean, McFarland is a good change of pace, and he might get the touches. Snell really might be squashed into a very limited uh, swing role here. But Najee Harris should dominate these backfield guys that we tried to squeeze some value out of uh, post Le'Veon Bell when James Conner was on the shelf. We don't have to go there anymore. So certainly it's looking uh, bad here for all these other 
kind of peripheral backs for the Steelers. So that's why they had to go use a first-round pick on Harris to clean up all this mess, and that's what you're seeing. Let us go to the Houston Texans here. And this is not a good offseason for David Johnson. I mean, look at the first two things they did before they even thought about a young back. They went out and got Mark Ingram for the Ravens, so a veteran there. They got Philip Lindsay, was unhappy with the Broncos, and got a escape there. So yeah, Philip Lindsay and Mark Ingram. I mean, these were two fantasy football assets here just a few years ago. Ingram with the big scoring a couple years during uh, Lamar Jackson's run there with the Ravens. He did fade last year, giving way to J.K. Dobbins, but that first year... In Baltimore, he was a big part of what he wanted to do there in terms of scoring touchdowns and playing off Lamar well, helping in the passing game as well. But we know Mark Ingram has had a lot of mileage. He's the first-round pick of the Saints. He's got quite a few touches here in the past few years. So I think uh, you look at him kind of a fading back, but he's still relevant. I mean, he's still around. They went out and uh, acquired him pretty early. And then you have Phillip Lindsay. That's the bigger concern here. I mean, this is a guy that... Can pound out the 1,000 yards here for the Texans with uh, ease. He just was uh, kind of pushed out of there with the Melvin Gordon acquisition there last year. was was totally unhappy about that with the new uh, coaching staff going in that direction. Pat Shermer not uh, trusting Lindsey to stay consistent and produce that system. So he was going to be eager to get something done. Again, Ingram with the age issue. Lindsey has some injury issues. But overall, David Johnson has some of both of these things going on as well. So... Yeah, not a good situation for David Johnson. This backfield certainly more intriguing with uh, veteran options and uh, not really a great fantasy football situation for us for trying to extract value from a team that's going to be pretty bad and and uh, trailing quite a bit, throwing quite a bit, and may not have Deshaun Watson and his running ability and a checkdown ability to uh, lift the running backs here in, in different production phases. The last team we'll talk about in this segment, and we'll save the last six AFC teams for our final segment, the Indianapolis Colts. I don't think this was the greatest offseason for Jonathan Taylor. Nothing of his own doing, but they bring back Marlon Mack, which is a curious move for a small amount of money. But you have Marlon Mack. You have uh, still Naeem Hines is hanging around as the pass-catching back. And you still have Jordan Wilkins on his team trying to grind and get a swing roll here behind these guys. But I was really surprised when they brought back Mack. He was an injury-riddled, shortened season for Mack. He's always had durability issues, and you already had some depth there between Hines and Wilkins in different situations to help Taylor, but now you have Mack and Wilkins in the mix still behind Hines, dedicated for the pass-catching role. You also have Carson Wentz, so they should uh, raise the quality here of passing downfield, so maybe a little bit less running from Indianapolis. They'll open up the offense with a bigger-armed Wentz here. So, yeah, so Jonathan Taylor, not the greatest. I still think he's a solid here borderline RB1 because of just how good he is, but maybe he could have been a little bit better here if the backfield had not gone crowded in Indianapolis or stayed crowded there for all intents and purposes. Okay, so we still have to get through two more teams in the AFC South, and we'll also look at the teams from the AFC West in our final segment here, but I do have to tell you more about Built Bar. Built Bar has amazing flavors here. This The core flavors are awesome. And anyone who likes Built Bars, they're definitely passionate about their favorite 
Bilt Bar flavors. If you don't know the Bilt Bar flavors well, we're missing out. Just take the example of some of their core flavors. Coconut, coconut almond, cherry raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, and salted caramel. Simply put, Bilt Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. There's something for everyone. And my favorite flavor, it's really tough for me to pick. I like the brownie ones a lot, so I go peanut butter brownie is number one in my depth chart. I also like the mint brownie there as well. Salted caramel is delicious there. So I'm a chocoholic, so I go in that direction. Uh, the fruit flavors and the coconut flavors are outstanding as well. And they also have a limited time flavors that you can check out that you also have to be on the lookout for. If you haven't all tried the flavors, you can get a mix box where you'll get two of each of the core nine flavors. The Built Bars are completely delicious, but they're also good for you and healthy. Most of the flavors have 17 grams protein, only 130 calories, only 4 grams sugar, only 4 grams net carbs. Some of them up the proteins to 18, but only staying at 180 calories, 5 grams sugar, 5 grams net carbs. Nine amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. Order today and get that uh, flavor box you like. Their mixed box, whether you like uh, the brownie flavors, the fruit flavors like cherry, raspberry, they're all delicious. Whatever you want, get in that mixed box here and enjoy Built Bars as they power you through your day and give you a delicious treat whenever you need one. So it's better for you to learn about Built Bar because you can just go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCK15. You'll get 15% off your first order. Use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. We'll be right back here to close the show looking at six more teams and their AFC falling stock players for 2021. All right, it is uh, time to close the show here and look at our six remaining teams. We'll start with the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're the penultimate team from the AFC South we have to consider, and we know who the detrimental guy is. Here it is James Robinson. When you had Carlos Hyde, who played for Urban Meyer at Ohio State, then he used a first-round pick on Travis Etienne from Clemson. James Robinson, a 1,000-yard season, double-digit touchdowns, fantasy super steal as a RB1 with his usage last year. He was one of the more consistent players overall. He didn't really have any clunkers. He was solid for most of the games, spectacular for a few, but really was a great asset that a lot of people missed out on and got in the later rounds or found on the waiver wire pretty early. So we're always looking for those guys. They can change a team because we invest very low draft capital or a draft afterthought on a player. But that's not going to be the lucky case here. So Travis Etienne, first-round pick. He's a little glossier. People are going to go after him a little bit more. I don't think Etienne is going to be limited to being a change of pace, pass catching back. I don't see it. You also have Carlos Hyde for the power. He's a good swing backup for the Seahawks last year. Yeah, so it's not good for James Robinson, however you look at it, between Etienne and Hyde coming in here for Urban Meyer. It's a new coaching staff, Daryl Bevel, Brian Schottenheimer. What will they change up in the offense there. So nothing good here developed for Robinson with all the changes in Jacksonville. We go to Tennessee, and I think the guy that I'm going to downgrade and maybe drops out of the QB1 consideration altogether, even as an average or streaming option, is Ryan Tannehill. I mean, you lose quite a bit there between what Corey Davis gave you, what Joni Smith gave you. That's a lot, and you're rebuilding, and don't forget about Adam Humphreys working the slot. He's moved on here as well. So it's tough. I mean, they do have some young guys that they can look at. Des Fitzpatrick in the draft got some other options, but they're not totally sold on Anthony Ferkser staying on the field because he's not that consistent blocker that Jonah Smith is. 
So you don't really have a big pass-catching back presence because it's all about Derrick Henry. You know, Tannehill does run, and he gets a good uh, kind of baseline of fantasy football production doing that, but I don't see it uh, working out well here for uh, Tannehill as well. So he's a guy that I'm going to drop down as I see potential young guys that are in the mix, uh, changing the landscape of uh, QB1s here. And so Tannehill could be one of those odd men out that drops among the veterans in terms of quarterback production. All right, let's go to our final division that we're going to look at is the AFC West. And the Denver Broncos have an obvious one as well. Melvin Gordon, not a good situation. They traded up to get Javante Williams. So Melvin Gordon actually has some value as a pass-catching back. Royce Freeman was actually at the third down back of choice over Phil Lindsay when Lindsay was still around. Lindsay moved on to the Texans where he could hurt the value of as we mentioned before, David Johnson. But look at this. I just don't feel good about Melvin Gordon holding on to a key role. Javante Williams, not a big third down factor. He could grow in that area as a blocker and receiver. But he's going to be on the field in the power situation. So all the touchdown potential that you had with Melvin Gordon is gone. So now you're expecting Gordon to get in the receptions. But I don't think they're all going to come to him. You have a lot of weapons as well for the check down situation for either Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater. So Melvin Gordon might have to limit himself, make some of his value half point or full point PPR through receptions but yeah it is not good here with uh, Javante Williams coming in and you know, the Broncos were excited to take him and Gordon's gotten a little older he has some mileage here for Pat Shermer so certainly Williams has the force and the guy that you, you're more excited to take here in 2021. All right let's go to the Chiefs uh, it was tough to find a guy that we didn't like here that is going down. The Chiefs did their best to keep everyone intact. They upgraded their offensive line. I'm going to say it's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and I say that with uh, just a little bit of uh, be cautious, and we're not downgrading him big time. But you do have Daryl Williams there. Jarek McKinnon was signed. Darwin Thompson is still around here for the Chiefs. Edwards-Hilaire finishes an RB2 last year pretty deep, one of the last RB2s on the board. Not as the usage we kind of expected, but it's Andy Reid offense. We get it, but they like Daryl Williams a lot, and uh, McKinnon could have a rebound year as well. And don't forget about Thompson. They've kept him on. And when he was once looked at as a key back here once they were trying to figure out the Kareem Hunt post situation. They went with Damian Williams first. Williams is now in Chicago helping them and Matt Nagy in that offense. But you look at uh, Clyde edwards Slayer, it's reluctant. I think it's a slight bump down. I think what it is for me more is that there's a lot of guys I'd much prefer as an RB1. I still think Clyde edwards Slayer. Wherever he finishes is still a guy that I look at as more of an RB2 here in uh, 2021. So some people are expecting a big breakout as a first-round pick from last year, but I'm going to temper my expectations and say he gets maybe to the high 15 to 20 range there with his value, but not too much higher than that here in 2021. The next team is the Las Vegas Raiders, and sticking with the backfield theme in this division you have to say it's Josh Jacobs this was not a very good offseason for Josh Jacobs Rodney Hudson and Gabe Jackson two anchors of your offensive line are gone they're reshuffling at right tackle Trent Brown might be transitioning to Alex Leatherwood the interior is a bit of a mess you don't know what you're gonna get from Colton Miller Richie Incognito's on his last legs here as an interior blocker so it's not good up front already for Josh Jacobs then they add Kenyon Drake another Alabama back there Change of pace, but also a strong power back. They will like a committee approach, making Jacobs stronger. But Jacobs was a first-round pick. So very curious that the Las Vegas Raiders invested quite a bit in Drake to bring him in there. Maybe they weren't happy with Jacobs. So it's kind of like they have quick remorse on Jacobs and Jonathan Abram. There, Abram, the biggest complaint is he's not doing enough in pass defense. He's kind of run 
thumping extra linebacker. So they wanted to upgrade and change things, so they went all in on safety. So they were disappointed a little bit with Josh Jacobs, leaving some yards on the field, maybe some durability issues. So they lost Devonta Booker, so they invested big time to upgrade from there. Kenny Drake, who had some Cardinals good fantasy relevance last year, more as an RB2 based on his scoring. Chase Edmonds was pilfering touches there in the passing game. That's the thing is now Jacobs and Drake, and Drake can do some things in the passing game. So I think it's more of a straight-up committee overall versus a situational type deal where these guys get pretty much all the touches when they're out on the field when they're there. So it's hard to navigate that situation, a split situation of work load here for the two Raiders backs. But either way, Josh Jacobs gets a downgrade with the arrival of Drake. All right, let's uh, go to the Chargers here. And uh, for me, there's different ways you could look at uh, their value. But I think Justin Herbert's going to be hurt a little bit here. He had a very nice season. He was a revelation as a fantasy football starter, as a rookie, once that Tyrod Taylor scary lung situation happened. He rolled with it and didn't give the jog back. So great year. But Anthony Lynn, Shane Steichen, those guys are gone. He's adjusting to a new offense here. How will he respond with the new coach? The new weapons are not as uh, big as we expected. There's some definitely reshuffling on the offensive line, so that is helpful. But receiving core, I think they could have done a little bit more behind Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. They did lose Hunter Henry there in uh, free agency. So tough situation for sure for uh, Justin Herbert. I think it's going to be a bit of transition. I don't think it's going to be as natural and smooth as we expect going into year two after the good year one. I still think it'll be fine and be productive, but... Another candidate that could slip quite a bit in his value here as a QB1. And as we see more options arrive at the position, that could change things up. But Justin Herbert, be careful of investing too high of a quarterback pick on him as a QB1 here in 2021. All right, so there you have it. There's a look at the AFC fallers of the offseason based on the developments here in fantasy football for 2021. Looking ahead there. From uh, what we've seen so far, we do have to uh, come back and do the NFC tomorrow. So check out that show here on Locked On Fantasy Football. I do have to tell you, get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes to Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. For Vinny Iyer, this has been Locked On Fantasy Football. Have a great day. See you tomorrow with a look at the NFC stock fallers there from the 2021 NFL offseason.